Hey everyone, welcome into another episode of The Winsome Creationist. Could the New Testament authors really have interpreted Genesis 3 as being historical? Did they really think that Adam was a real man? Did they really think that Eve was a real woman? Or did they have these sort of archetypal beliefs that led to thinking about Adam and Eve primarily as literary figures from whom we could learn from or from whom we could sort of base our thinking about the human condition, but that weren't actually alive. We're going to explore that question a little bit today. And I'm, I'm taking um, my notes today directly from a fantastic book. Um, it's called um, Searching for Adam, Genesis and the Truth of Man's Origin. Um, and the, one of the general editors was Terry Mortensen. And uh, I think he was the general editor, but there's a lot of different people who contributed to this book. And um, this particular chapter where we're drawing these thoughts uh, from was uh, written by David Curteau and Michael P. Naylor. Okay. David Curteau and Michael P. Naylor. So I want to make sure to give credit where credit is due. Going to be reading a little bit from their chapter, which is chapter two of that book, and really dealing with this question Are we actually reading? our views of Adam back into Genesis, right? Are we looking at what New Testament authors say and then reading our own views of Adam into their words as they look at Genesis? So let me give you this quote to start out with. Those who believe in a historical Adam have been accused of reading back into the New Testament authors certain convictions about Adam that are driven by our own view of Genesis rather than the biblical author's view. This assertion could be helpfully addressed by considering the views of other Jewish authors around the time of the New Testament. An examination of several other Jewish writings of this day, outside Scripture, indicates that this interpretation of Adam and the fall was not unique to the Christian interpretation found in the New Testament. So what the authors are going to try to do is point to some other Jewish writings from around that time period and show that it's not just that the New Testament authors thought that Adam was historical, but that literally that was just the assumption, right? That was sort of the uh, the worldview assumption of Jews living in the same time period. So it's no surprise to see New Testament authors writing and making that assumption as well. Interestingly as well, Dr. William Lane Craig in his recent study on the historical Adam came to an interesting conclusion. He came to the conclusion that some of the references in the New Testament could go either way, right? That some of them could be interpreted more allegorically or symbolically or archetypally or literarily, but that there were some, including Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, um, his argument specifically there is a, is a big deal to Dr. Craig. And specifically the point is made that yeah, there are just some passages in the New Testament where you can't escape that the author intends to teach that Adam was a literal figure, a literal man, the progenitor of all modern-day human life, and of course his wife Eve as well, okay? So let's go through some of these different examples that are uh, mentioned here. They mention the book of Four Ezra, which was written after 70 A.D., it addresses the problem of Adam, his transgression, and death. It says this, 
Quote, O sovereign Lord, did you not speak at the beginning when you formed the dust and it gave you Adam, a lifeless body? Yet he was the workmanship of your hands and you breathed into him the breath of life and he was made alive in your presence. And you led him into the garden, which your right hand had planted before the earth appeared. And you laid upon him one commandment of yours, but he transgressed it. And immediately you appointed death for him and his descendants. That's for Ezra 3, 4 through 7. Now he goes on to create a connection here in, in, um, in verses so 3, 20 through 22, which is a very close connection to the way that Paul talks about Adam in 1 Corinthians 15. He says this, quote, Yet you did not take away from them their evil heart, so that your law might bring forth fruit in them. For the first Adam, burdened with an evil heart, transgressed and was overcome, as were also all who were descended from him. Thus the disease became permanent. The law was in the people's heart along with the evil root, but what was good departed, and the evil remained. Close quote. So you see, it, it's very clear that for the writers of 4 Ezra, it's a direct connection between the physical Adam and the physical death and suffering and transgression and the way that the author states it, the disease that was in their heart. Okay, It's very clear that this author thought that this was something rooted in history, okay, rooted and grounded in space-time that started with Adam and then continues on. And he continues and says this, quote, This is my first and last word. It would have been better if the earth had not produced Adam, or else when it produced him, had restrained him from sinning. For what good is it to all that they live in sorrow now and expect punishment after death? Oh, Adam, what have you done? For though it was you who sinned, the fall was not yours alone, but ours also, who are your descendants. That's in for Ezra 7, 116 to 119. So very clearly here, this author is actually discussing Adam in a very similar way to the way that Paul discusses Adam in 1 Corinthians 15 and in Romans 5 as well. And these are the primary passages that Dr. Craig uh, uses to suggest that Adam must have been a real individual. He cannot just be seen as some archetypal literary figure for the human condition. There's something real that is established there. Now, interestingly, too, and this is a side note, um, Dr. Craig also has a view of original sin, which which I tend to agree with for what it's worth. You don't have to agree with me there, but for what it's worth, I agree with this view, um, that uh, it's not as though Adam passed on his guilt. The, the, the guilt is our own, which our Savior, of course, took. Um, it says that the consequences of sin were passed on, the uh, death, as it were. Okay, And so it's not as though I am guilty of Adam's sin. I am guilty of my own sin the sinful nature that we have, the propensity towards sin, I think is fair to say that we inherited from Adam, but we did not inherit the guilt for Adam's sin. So it's a technical point, but it's an important point. And even given that, even given that, Dr. Craig 
sees a uh, sees that it's very important that Paul is is creating a direct connection between the first Adam and the second Adam, and this author in Four Ezra seems to actually be making the same point. Okay, so another Jewish text. Moving on here, called Second Baruch, which was written after the fall of Jerusalem as well in AD 70, uh, also connects Adam's sin with death. He quotes this, O Adam, what did you do to all who were born after you? And what will be said of the first Eve who obeyed the serpent, so that this whole multitude is going to corruption? And countless are those whom the fire devours. But again I shall speak before you, O Lord, my Lord, you know that which is your creation. For you commanded the dust one day to produce Adam, and you knew the number of those who are born from him and how they sinned before you, those who existed and did not recognize you as their creator. That's Second Baruch 48, 42 through 46. So again, Adam's sin and the corruption of death connected together. Okay, this is not, this is not pointing um, analogously to some literary figure and saying, oh yeah, just like that, we're like this. No, it is because of Adam. The earth is in this condition. Humanity is in this condition. So the other authors who lived around this time period were very clearly expressing the sentiment that Adam was a real human being. It's not some modern thing that we're reading back into the text and the ancients wouldn't have, have, have believed it. I think that is crazy, okay? Very clearly, Paul and these other writers from around that time period thought that Adam was a historical figure. Now, the authors go on to mention a few additional sources as well. Quote, although not as extensive in their discussion of the connection of Adam's sin and death, several other Jewish writings address particular details of the account in Genesis. Tobit 8.6 mentions Adam and Eve in a discussion of marriage. Although the main focus in the prayer of Tobias in 8, 5 through 7, is upon marriage as reflected in Genesis 2. The statement in verse 6 notes the relationship between Adam and the rest of the human race. You made Adam, and for him you made his wife Eve as a helper and support. From the two of them, the human race has sprung. Sirach 33.10 affirms the creation of Adam from the earth. And lastly, Josephus, in his Discourse Concerning Nature, describes the creation of Adam from the dust of the earth. In 4 Ezra and 2 Baruch, the connection is made between Adam's actions and the sin and death and corruption that followed or the relationship between Adam and the human race. Examples from Tobit, Sirach, and Josephus, likewise, indicate an affirmation of Adam as a historical person. Paul's interpretation of Genesis 3, as will be seen, is in keeping with at least some of his Jewish contemporaries who wrote within the same time period of his writing. The evaluation of the predicament of the human race as being a result of Adam's actions is a conviction held by others of his day. Close quote. Now, um, this is all very significant, okay? It's important that we realize, and, and this is just, this is one of those things that is really uh, just sort of frustrating because when you're trying to get at what the ancients believed, like, Admittedly, sometimes it, it, it can be hard. I mean, writing styles were different. Historical reportage was different. Um, mindsets and worldviews were, were different. I mean, certainly to think that New Testament authors had anything like a 21st century Western mindset is, is crazy town. And so you definitely need to keep all of that in perspective when you're looking at questions like this. But without a doubt, based on their writings, which is all we have to work with, 
it sure seems as though a direct connection is made between Adam and the current condition of humanity. The relationship of Adam and Eve as humanity's first parents is apparent and very, very clear. Now, the authors do make the point that it's not as though this is the only interpretation that was from around that time period. Philo and some others definitely had some other interpretations that were more allegorical in nature. Um, although Dr. Todd Wood uh, has really helpfully pointed out that um, ancient, like the church fathers and, and other ancients would have had actually multiple views of a passage. So they might examine the passage from an allegorical perspective. They might also hold it to interpretation of the passage from a literal perspective. So you can actually look at the passage from multiple different angles. Now that said, even though there were other perspectives that were available, it's actually really significant that we find Paul, again, in 1 Corinthians 15, Romans 5, and other places, it's really interesting to find that he did choose the interpretation that sounds most like the historical interpretation that others have suggested. The authors say this, Paul's interpretation of Genesis 1 through 3 was an interpretation available in his day, but was not the only interpretation of Genesis. In other words, given the choice of interpreting Adam as historical or as non-historical, Paul interprets Adam as a historical person responsible for the entrance of sin and death into the world. Close quote. I think that's an open and shut case. It's so significant that Paul sees Adam as a real human being and Eve as a real human being, the father and mother of all humanity. And so, no, we are not reading our own ideas. Some 20th or 19th, 20th you know, century invention of Adam uh, as this literal historical figure. We're not making this stuff up. This has been the historic Christian and Jewish view for a very, very long time. And the New Testament writings are consistent with that as well. So that's what I have for you in this week of the Winsome Creationist. I hope that this has been interesting and insightful and helpful for you. I would encourage you to go grab the book, Genesis and the Truth of Man's Origin. Um, Searching for Adam is the main title. I will uh, link that in the description so that you can go grab it if you'd like to. And from there, otherwise, we'll see you guys next time. Hope you guys have a great uh, couple weeks and um, God bless.